I'm Jess Fisher, and this is the best paper I ever wrote. Hello! Today is January 9th, 2021. I just got headshots taken, and we are recording this episode on the heels of an attempted coup. My guest today is Ethan Wagner. How are you today, Ethan? Hey, you know, bad, like the rest of us. You're bad? You're, like, not doing well right no, now? No, I, I mean, I'm doing aight. I'm doing aight. I don't know. Just, like, no one's no one's willing to give the answer when you're, you're like, oh, how are things? You're not allowed to just be like, oh, things are, you know, like, bad. It, like, you know. I guess that's true. This week felt and... freaking awful. Like I, I have a, you know a regular job, and I felt so bad that on Wednesday I just couldn't do anything. Like I had a meeting, and it was like <laughs> we, we both were like, okay, what's happening on the news right now? Like I couldn't do my job this week. I, I felt I felt like crap on Wednesday after watching so much TV. Um, did you yeah. like stay glued to the TV this week too? Yeah, yeah. It just like there's no way there's no way to avoid it. It just feels like I'm not being a good citizen if I'm not paying attention. That's true. And it's like paying attention just causes me. Uh, it's like I don't know. It's not pain. It's just like constant anxiety, being like, "What is going to happen next?" That's the thing that I feel like the most nervous about. I felt, ba- excuse me, I felt bad about just like everything that happened on Wednesday, and I was like, "Oh, this is just." you know four years in the making of like something like this it just but felt like shit watching it i i feel worse after just like knowing that something like something might happen in the next 12 days or 11 days something it is now, right worse or more deaths or yeah i, I just like I, there there are like no repercussions on the executive branch for some reason i don't know just like the way that the Justice Department works right now is um, is backwards. Absolutely. So, and now uh, we are like, a political podcast. <laughs> uh, I can't, but I mean, I'm, you, I'm can't, not start, you can't but... not acknowledge it. No, no, no. I wasn't I wasn't uh, shading you for, for talking about that. I just mean like no. you can't not talk about it. You can't not be a political. Yeah. Like um, it was yeah. funny because my uh, the Twitter account for this for this podcast like i schedule about like 10 memes a week based on the episode that aired on monday i just do memes for the whole week Mm -hmm. to remind people to listen to the episode that i aired and so on sunday i scheduled like 10 memes and then memes were like coming up on wednesday and in the account voice i had to be like hey i'm sorry i didn't know there was gonna be a coup like (laughs) i know that it's not an appropriate time to be posting memes about um saw or whatever you know yeah yeah uh yeah i just i don't know the thing that i'm most worried about now is that we're gonna get into some crazy legal battle about trump pardoning himself trump pardoning Um, himself and i saw that he might be pardoning the people there like but i got yeah you're probably right about the legal battle of him pardoning himself i don't i don't know dick about about the justice system so i don't know what he can and can't do but it feels it feels funny that like uh, me, the me average neither. citizen kind of like needs to know these sorts of things now um mm-hmm. where it's like i'm just i'm just a artist why why do i need to know how the justice department works but it's like it's like something uh like it's a political literacy social literacy that's like we all have right. a responsibility i guess as americans yeah i don't know like the civics course in middle school didn't do it, it wasn't enough <laughs> 
you know you took civics in middle school uh no i mean but there was like <laughs> there was like one year of middle school history that was like this is kind of like civics we're going to talk about we're going to like read the constitution right but like you know we didn't really okay ethan how do i know you oh okay 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 yeah yeah, yeah we got to do um, that um so we were we were in a um bubble focused cult in middle school <laughs> and um have since been friends i don't know what it's been a bunch of years yeah we were uh we were in this friend group in middle school wait but you went to lincroft elementary i i went to lincroft elementary for one year okay i did not know you when yeah we no, were... no no i mean no i no one really did i i like fifth grade was was like not that fun for me interesting yeah. and i still didn't know you that's so funny yeah so we went yeah. to the same elementary school i didn't know him <laughs> and then we went to middle school together and i think i got to know you a little bit more through band and stuff than mm -hmm. than the rest mm -hmm. of the bubble um True. the bubble was a friend group that we had um amanda of a previous episode of the frankenstein episode was also part of the bubble and uh, great app great app oh yeah oh thank you i'm, I'm glad you liked it uh, and ethan was like um part of like the boys extension of the bubble um i was extremely keen on on uh merging the boys group and the bubble together because the bubble was all mm -hmm. girls and matt um and uh and then there was like a boys group which was mostly comprised of the members of a band at the time which was called the autumn foundation and is now called the fifth mm. down and also has <laughs> splintered and taken other names as well i believe at this point, like we all have little projects that we work on, right. and then sometimes we still come back together and make music. And so we have a few different names. Like Kyle has his solo project, Vacation Kyle. Mm. Bobby and Kyle play as Big Texas. Big Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when when we're like doing kind of group things that aren't in the same spirit as I guess the kind of music that the Fifth Down has made, uh, we call ourselves the Holiday Corporation. The Holiday Corporation? Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it sounds like of, the Autumn Foundation to me. It's similar, except it, it's all big business now. We're, we're <laughs> a, big, a big business wait, wait, wait. music organization. Um. Okay. But was the band ever called Save the Whales or was the, the album Save oh, the Whales? So, yeah, we, we made an EP um, that, you know, we just like pressed record on a computer you know like the speaker on a computer yeah um and kyle and bobby playing and me playing <laughs> bass in kyle's room right and we just like live tracked five songs uh when we were in like probably seventh grade yeah um they're astounding you found it no you still but we're trying found it you still couldn't no it. we we know like um, I know I had a CD have, and I was looking for it and I know that my mom found it a few years ago, but we could not find it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause you mm -hmm. reached out to me this winter yeah, about I, it. Th there, no, I know we, we, we did some digging as well and we couldn't find it. And MySpace doesn't exist anymore. We uploaded it to MySpace, <gasps> oh, a sign of the gosh, times. Gosh, I remember. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, MySpace, I guess at some point you had to respond to MySpace saying, Hey, we're going to delete everything unless you like say, Responded, don't delete it and, and we'll then archive we didn't it. Respond. And we didn't because, you know, there you go. Um, we're irresponsible. I would argue that I was in like middle school and early high school, like of the biggest fans of the fifth down. Like I was definitely in the smaller group of people. 
that was a, a big mm-hmm. fan of the fifth down. Um, I had a big old crush on Elias. That's a big reason why um, he knows that. Oh, I mean, who, who doesn't though? <laughs> who who doesn't? doesn't? And I and Guy's I mean, Bobby boat. was my first boyfriend, and so like, what can be said mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fate that I I should be close to the fifth down. And I announced you guys at at the eighth grade talent show. That was a very exciting oh, yeah. moment for me. And then throughout Dang. high school, well, Ethan went to a different high school. Ethan went to in our in our district. You could apply to go to different schools that were part of our district you didn't have to pay more there was um these they were called vocational schools and they were high technology high school biotechnology high school the marine and science academy uh communications high school and allied health and medical and ethan went to biotechnology mm-hmm. yep yes yeah yeah it was, it was a choice it was cool i, liked I was it. i was gonna ask you so um ethan's paper is about like audio and convolutional neural networks and like it kind of sounds like biotechnology because it's about like ai and like technology reflective of of biology Uh, did you have an interest in this type of audio and ai when you were in high school um i i'd say kind of like i i'm glad that we talked about all the the weird incarnations of of band things because uh, it makes my life easier to, to explain kind of like what I wanted to do. Yeah. Kind of just like I always liked playing music. And the part that I found most interesting, especially near the end of high school, was kind of um, recording music and um, like doing live sound and hosting shows and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do something that was kind of like that. And um, from all the classes that I took in high school, I kind of was like, I don't want to experiment on rats for the entirety of my life. Is that something that happened a lot like, at biotech? Experimenting on rats? We, we didn't do any rat experiment, rat experiments. Um, <laughs> we did a bunch of C. elegant experiments, but... A bunch of what? You know, um, little nematodes. They're called C. elegans. Really? And you did experiments on yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah, we did that, and then we, we cloned a carrot once. That was pretty cool. Wait, did you really? Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we, I don't know. Um... I just I wasn't super interested in the life science stuff, um, but I really liked um, physics and math, and so I, I was kind of like, how can I find something that's like challenging and interesting with physics and math, but that is like kind of something to do with music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really have anything that did both right. for me during high school, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, so I literally Googled like, how can I do physics, math, and music all at once. <laughs> And you looked at, um, was it, was your major technically music tech? What was it? So it was uh, mechanical engineering with a concentration in acoustics and I double minored in math and audio. Double. Wow. That's a lot of things. Yeah. At once. Did you, it was, you were... I came in with a bunch of credits. So I like pretty much had one year done when I went to college. So mm-hmm. I like just filled it with essentially like another minor. So when you went into school, you had all of those things. What was your goal in the career-wise field, great sentence, when you entered school, college? And did you did you get any um, any more? Did you get a bachelor's degree? Did you get any other certifications? Just a bachelor's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just bachelor's with the concentration in the two minors. And then, um, yeah, 
life goals kind of thing in college, like what I wanted to do. I didn't have like a dream job at the end of the tunnel. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I've always wanted to be an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever it is like, but like some, sometimes you like major in stuff and it's like very obvious what you want to do at the end of it. Some people are like, I'm going to be an architect to be an architect. You know, it's like clear like that. But, um, I was just kind of like, I want to do something that, uh, has to do with music and I think is fun every day. Mm -hmm. And that was the extent of my, (laughs) of my understanding. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it, um, it worked out all right. And um, wait, where did you go to school? So I went to school um, at the University of Hartford. Um, it's a, a small private liberal arts school in Hartford, Connecticut. And um, I like Hartford. it's not Hartford exemplary. Nice. It's Har- what? Hartford's cool. Um, I was just going to say it's like not an exemplary school by any means. It's, it, it's not like prestigious or, or anything like that. Um, it the only and the only reason that I went there was because there was uh, this program in acoustics. Mm, I see. I get that. I I I, I only asked because I, f- I forgot to ask you a specific college. And mm-hmm. um, what are you doing now? Are you getting to work with music and have fun every day? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I work for Bose, um, and so I design specialty headphones, um, and my job mostly consists of like, um, kind of playing with microphones and noise canceling technology so um the stuff that i've been working on recently has been like um trying to make a microphone that only picks up voice in like the loudness of like an open cockpit airplane um and what does that look like Like, you know not literally like what like headphones (laughs) no i mean like (laughs) What does it look like on your day-to-day work basis? Are you still going to work in person? Um, I am allowed to go into the office, but I I'd say probably like nine out of ten days I work from home, and then hmm. one day I'll go into the office. Um, I pretty much go into the office to like do experiments and collect data mm-hmm. and use equipment that's really expensive that I couldn't take home. Um. And then I get all that data and then I spend like nine more days analyzing it pretty much. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah you've, yeah, you've been able to keep doing your job and keep trucking away because of COVID. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, uh, yeah, extremely, extremely lucky. Um, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been like weird working from home and trying to, trying to adjust find to motivation, that, sure. all the, all the regular stuff, but, um, all around. Yeah. Doing okay. Which is, which is nice. Well, good for you. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, take a look at this this paper do. Um, oh God. <laughs> okay, it's just, so it's just such a doozy to jump into. Like, it's it's really convoluted, you know. Convolutional, as one might say. Yeah, yeah. As the paper is titled, "Using Convolutional Neural Networks for Siren Recognition," uh, what class was this for? Was it your final thesis? It was my um, honors thesis. Mm. Um, so to, to graduate with honors, you had to do not only like your regular capstone thesis kind of thing, you had to do like one extra. And so I did it this semester, my second to last semester. Oh, okay. And uh, how did you choose the topic? Um, absolutely did not choose the topic. <laughs> my advisor 
said to me, hey, I have money for these things that are like research topics that he had grants for. Um, Does any of this sound interesting to you? Yes, yes. Because you need need a topic. And I was like, ah... Oh, I thought you were asking me if this sounds interesting. And I'm like, yes, tell me about the grant. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, his his grant was just, you know, from different acoustic organizations saying like, you know, do research with, you know, young kids and get them interested in doing research in acoustics, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Yeah. And so so one of the projects was um, just generally like, how can we implement acoustic systems to make self-driving cars safer? Mm-hmm. that was the that was the research topic um and so my advisor was kind of like i see this as kind of two projects one being where we gotta find out how to detect some sort of safety issue and then um how to address it in the vehicle in some way you know um and the obvious thing that he was thinking about was like what is what is uh, an acoustic thing that a self-driving car might not recognize at this hmm. point? Um, and we were saying, like, if an ambulance was driving by, um, that you wouldn't know. If you were, if this, the self-driving car wouldn't know, you would maybe hear it, but it wouldn't pull over automatically. Right, right. So that's that was the idea behind the paper. That was that was what you sought out to research. What was the doing of the research like? Um, mostly trying to record sirens on the side of the road. Wait, really? Straight up. Straight, yeah. You would yeah. sit on the side of the road um, and you would record different sirens. Yeah, at, like between recording them myself or um, scouring YouTube or like free sounds, you know, dot org <laughs> or whatever, you know, they're, they're like... There, there are a million websites that are like, right. you need the sound of a frog? Okay, you know. Boy, do we have like, that. <laughs> we have six of them. Choose your favorite frog noise to download, you know. Um, I guess you could you train a self-driving like, car to recognize the differences between different frog noises then, in theory. Now, that would be useful. <laughs> so it doesn't I think. hit the good frogs. Yeah, it's like an invasive frog, like, all yeah. full speed ahead. Full speed ahead. You know? <laughs> so you would sit on the side of the road and record different different sirens. So it was a lot of listening to different types of sirens. Um, it it was a lot of that. Um, collecting the data honestly took probably the most amount of time, mm-hmm. which is like an embarrassing thing to say about something like uh, you know it's like this whole technical project and like the hardest thing was genuinely like getting a data set together which is kind of silly, but it's what it was. I don't know anything about research, so that sounds good to me. <laughs> I went to art school, Ethan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to, you know, it, it's it's that weird thing where um, people say this about, about acoustics a lot. They're like, acoustics is like a lot of math and a lot of physics for a long time, and then there's a point at which you like can't make any decisions, and then it's like a little bit of art. Hmm. It's like... Some logic and then a little bit of like art and elbow grease and magic and then, you know, maybe you get something that works. I, I really like that that sentence. That's really nice because like uh, I, I think I told you that my ex was a, as an audio engineer. He's, he's still an audio mm-hmm. engineer. Um, 
and he for his final thesis he was studying 3d audio and he like creatively was like i'm gonna look at echolocation and i'm gonna do a thesis on that as a means of of Mm -hmm. designing 3d audio and that's i like like in that way i can see how that would be an artistic choice because it's like i don't know you sit you set out to write a play about uh mental health and you're like i'm gonna write about how eggs feel and like somehow that works really well it's it's so i can see where where even though it's like a technical major there's a lot of creativity and art involved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. although those were odd examples <laughs> <laughs> um okay so how soon do you think we'll see self-driving cars uh and like how much will they take up the road because i really liked how in the essay you said that why this is one of the reasons this is important is because when we start getting self-driving cars it's not going to be every car at once so it mm-hmm. will be some emergency vehicles that are not self-driving and then you know some i i, I don't know it, it'll be it'll be slow at first so i think that that's why the recognition is is very important um how soon do you see that happening since you were involved in the research that you know this that that was the um part of the research that i had almost no understanding of mm. but According to a bunch of reports that I read, you know, I, I don't know, um, they're saying, you know, in the next 50 to 100 years that they think that most cars are going to be fully self-driving. But in the meantime, it's going to be a weird mix. And some cars, especially like, you know, cop cars, ambulances, fire trucks, like they break so many traffic laws that self-driving cars might not ever really work yeah. in that same way. Um, so... Well, uh, we'll see. I, I think it might it might be a weird mix for a long time. Hmm. That, um, is, that is really and interesting. And I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to hold out and not want to get self-driving cars. Like, I could never picture my mom driving a self-driving car. Yeah, I was thinking about, like, American attitudes. And um, mm-hmm. last week I talked to um, somebody about socialized medicine and about mm-hmm. how the bootstrap mentality is a big reason that we're not moving forward with socialized medicine. And um, that it's just it's just simply American stubbornness is is their prevention of of getting people good health care. And so it just makes me think about like self-driving cars is going to be more efficient for every single person. But I I can't see that American population of bootstrap mentality, for lack of a better phrase, and to not go into like a stereotypical uh, categorization. <laughs> um, I can't see yeah, them yeah. driving self uh, like allowing a, a car to drive them, you know. Mm-hmm. I just I also picture just like an angry New Yorker driving around, you know, like when people start driving into the shoulder mm. and like doing things that are just I don't know, like merging. I, I don't know the the what I picture as like stereotypical aggressive you know, like New York cab driving. You're not um, gonna I can't take picture my those cab people. away from me. <laughs> I can't picture those people being like, oh, I'm fine letting the self-driving car drive me around like. Yeah. The road rage kicks in and and there's no way. Like That'll be really interesting to see. Um are you afraid of AI or how smart AI is getting? I guess like my the the short answer is no. Cool. Um from doing all this research, I was like, dang. Computers are really good at recognizing patterns and like grasping onto concepts that we probably can't even comprehend. Um, but they just need very clearly labeled data sets. Okay. Um, 
and that like I was saying, like I just needed to record a ton of sirens. Uh-huh. It's just a ton of sirens to like let it work the way it should. Um and I, I you know, until we get to a point at which there's some sort of AI that seeks out the thing that would help it improve itself, you know, that can manually say, Oh, I'm looking for things that are sirens and I'm smart enough to realize what I'm looking for. Oh, okay. I feel like there's nothing right to worry about. right now we're feeding it what it needs to learn. We, like, Once it starts seeking right, out the right. knowledge itself is when mm-hmm. we should be afraid. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Um, and I think, I think we're a long way off from that. But, you know, stuff that like Google and Amazon are doing where they're, you know, trying to um, let it learn and recognize behaviors and all that kind of stuff um it's going to be kind of up to you whether you want to let it learn who you are in that way like learn your patterns yeah um i think the thing to be most afraid of is going to be um, the user data that these companies are going to sell so in your paper you talk about the Mm -hmm. necessity for self-driving cars to be able to recognize different types of sirens not only the type of siren, but how far away it is, which I thought was interesting because you, you define the difference between honks and sirens. As in, mm-hmm. the car will be able to recognize a honk because honking, especially when they're trying to honk at you, it's going to be close enough that the driver and the car will be able to see. But cars, cabins mm-hmm. are becoming quieter and quieter. So that's that's where the importance of the car being able to recognize the siren comes into play. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I mean, cars are getting so quiet. I mean, there's they're doing noise canceling in cabins mm-hmm. where they're canceling engine noise and also just very well isolating um, the windows. You know, there are no weird cracks and holes like in my old shitty car. <laughs> um, so the 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 thing that that I genuinely think is not not only is it going to be self driving cars that might need extra kind of acoustic. Uh, I guess, like, kind of feeding into your perspective, your experience. Um, not only would you need that in a, maybe a regular car, but also a self-driving car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people are just becoming less aware in general. Like, all all of the, the trends of, you know, new cars in general. It's just that there are more sensors to let you see more mm-hmm. um, because you're even further isolated in the cabin. Hmm. So this could, like, I mean... This feature is for self-driving cars, but it could be used for cars now. Like there, there could yeah, be like yeah. because of maybe the driver can't necessarily hear a siren because of uh, how quiet the cabin is. There could be like an alarm or an alert or a visual aid to let you know to pull mm-hmm. over too. The the thing that happened to me this this happened to me um, at school. I don't, I don't know. There's there's one road that's like right next to University of Hartford that I would take to get from my my house um off campus to to school um and it's kind of this long hill that goes kind of like up and over and then you you go up over the hill and then down and then at the very end of the hill you turn left to go towards um the university of hartford and um if there were there were ambulances flying up and down that road all the time Mm -hmm. um there was like a fire station and an emt place kind of like a little bit past me um but the weird part was that you could never hear it if you were on the opposite side of the hill. So it would be coming up oh. or down and you could never hear it. 
Um, and by the time you would try to recognize it, it's like you're already going downhill or uphill and you need to like screech to a halt because yeah. you can't hear it. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like this interesting thing. It's going to be a little bit of conditions as well, um, road conditions and everything else. Yeah. Hmm. So um, let me see. So you, you talk about what, what was my next question? Okay. Uh, you say in some somewhere toward the beginning of your essay um to be able to hard code a program to recognize sirens so there it, it wasn't just um ai there had to be a lot of hard coding on your part with with the um admission additions of of data of large sets of data uh, to be able to hard code a program to recognize sirens the program would need to recognize distinct shifting between certain frequencies to identify the emergency victor, vic- vehicle there, therefore, wow, I can speak, ignoring the Doppler shifting reflections and other signal interference that would be commonplace on the road. What, what is Doppler shifting reflections and what would other signal interference be in this instance? Okay. So that's, that's like the whole basis for why I chose to use a convolutional neural network okay. to do this recognition. Um, it's, it's not clear... It, that's a bunch of jargon all at yeah, once. Yeah, I was I like, a I lot, wrote, a lot what in is Doppler sentence. shifting? I like, like circled oh, it and what started. What is all this? <laughs> um, it's, it's a bunch of jargon, but let's let's break it down. The um, first thing that I said is that it doesn't, uh, that I didn't hard code looking. So how do I, how do I explain this? First thing is like, what is, what does a siren sound like? And generally speaking, it's going to be a shifting between two tones. Yes. Right. There's like the okay. high tone and the low tone, and you hear it go between the two. Um, but the problem is, um, have you ever heard like a European siren? Where this it is like, like a strange thing a to say out loud. It's it's totally different sounding. Uh-huh. It's no like no doubt it is a siren. Like you hear it and you're like, yes, that's a siren. That's a siren. But it's very different from like American yeah, sirens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know that's a weird thing to say no, out loud, no, no. Um, but uh, like no one is ever like, huh, I want to think about what the difference between sirens are. But <laughs> even state to state, county to county, different departments all have different kinds of sirens. So like the fire department and EMTs all have different ones and they signal to each other and they have different types of sirens on their vehicle that they call for different calls. Oh, oh, that I didn't know. It's It's this whole... It's this whole thing. I I had almost no understanding, like, but I bothered a bunch of my friends that were EMTs. <laughs> I had to learn a lot about this. <laughs> so um, that's the first thing. So like there is just a wide, wide variety of different sirens. And I was saying before, like if you're going up and around a hill or if it's really warm or really windy, um, there are all these different acoustic conditions that make it not similar uh, sounding. Um, okay okay but we need to kind of recognize a big overall pattern right like you and i could easily say that's a siren it's a different kind of siren it sounds kind of weird but it's a siren no doubt mm-hmm. and i was kind of like i can't hard code something to look for a certain starting point like i can't say look for just this high tone and then switch into this low tone because it won't always be like that okay Okay. Um, and so I was like, I need to recognize a pattern, a big, a big pattern saying like, there are two tones they're shifting between. I don't know where it is. I don't know exactly what the time between them is going to be, whatever it is. 
Um, but I need to be able to recognize all different kinds at once. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so you don't necessarily like the exact tone or pitch of it because of, of the different acoustic conditions that you could be driving through at that specific time. Right. And that's why I, I mentioned Doppler shift, um, and reflections and all these other acoustic terms, which is kind of like the part that's actually related to my major and kind of everything else was like weird computer science stuff that I had to learn okay. to make it work. Um, but Doppler shift is the classic, um, the classic example is you're sitting at a train station and as the train approaches, it sounds kind of like high pitch and then goes as it like passes by. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, like you, like when things are moving, they have a certain sound, but if they're approaching you or leaving you, um, there's a, a tone shift. Oh, wow. Uh, and it, I'm so glad it I has asked because I've never really yeah, thought about has, that. If you picture it like if there's like a ball and it's like emitting a bunch of waves uh-huh. and you're walking towards it, um, you are physically encountering the waves faster as you walk towards it. And so it makes it sound higher pitched. Well, that I like that a lot. That that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I think um, just to just to compliment you that I think that when really, really like. Uh, smart and like uh, techie people can explain something in a simple way for me, a, a, an artist to understand <laughs> who knows nothing about audio. That that really shows that you know what you're talking about and that you're good at what you do. Um, I used to say to my ex-boyfriend, I used to be like, so it's just crunchy air, right? Sound is just crunchy air. And it always uh, made oh, him really upset. Is... <laughs> Dude, sound, sound is wiggly air. Take it it. Air. It's it's what it is. It's it's real wiggly. It's doing weird stuff. Um, Much like and, a uh, worm. Yeah. Sound it wiggles. Yeah. It a hundred percent. Quote quote me on that. Like if I had to sum up <laughs> acoustics and like you know my the whole field that I've devoted you know my time to, it's like it's wiggly. It's wiggly air. That's that's it. That's great. Um. So. So yeah, so yeah, a bunch of acoustic conditions, Doppler shift um, is the big one because the cars, the ambulance, uh, fire truck, whatever it is, is going to be moving. Yeah. It's going to approach you or be going away from you. Um, and so you need to know whether it, it's coming towards you and you need to pull over or not. Right. So um, in in the doing of the creating of the algorithms, I guess. <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. Good job, Jess. Um you talk about the a brief history of neural networks to um, talk about convolutional neural networks as, as, as the which was the basis of how you taught the program to recognize different sirens, right? So um, could you talk mm-hmm. about like a, a quick little cute brief summary of neural networks in the context? Yeah, um, this is by no means am, am, am I an expert. It's just stuff that I learned, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, it was based off of kind of the way that our brain works a little bit. Uh, well, in, in a very simplified model, um, that's where the neural of neural net mm-hmm. comes from. Um, and the idea is our brain seeks to kind of break down what it experiences in finite parts and allow those finite parts to create kind of 
relationships with each other. So if you imagine like you see a cat and so like the two things that I picture, like you see a cat face, the thing that I think about is like there are distinct pointy ears and then there are like very classically um, where the eyes and the ears are in relation to each other um, and like their size and proportion. Like those things go into your brain and the relationship between those two aspects or something um, kind of have an importance and tell you, okay, yes, that's a cat. Um, And the neural net essentially takes a, like a single input and then breaks it down into aspects that we don't necessarily know what they are. Hmm. Um, The neural net kind of, and that's that's what where like designing a neural net comes in handy. Like you want to try to extract certain features. I don't want to get too deep into okay. that. It's a, a whole bunch of j- more jargon, but it extracts the features, and then the thing that it does to make it kind of work um, is it tries to optimize to find the smartest relationship between the aspects that it finds. Okay. So it says, like, it's most important that these two, you know, it, it's going to be different for whatever you input, right? But, um, like, it's obvious that these two aspects that we find, if they're very close to each other or they are different in some way, it's really significant and it means that it is something. It is a siren or something okay. else. Yeah, because you said that as the network is trained, it finds a way to make better decisions quote unquote like better decisions Mm -hmm. is that that's what you mean by that right yeah so i picture it as like a big web and um you know you have an input and then you have a bunch of these like weird crisscrossed relationships so like you can picture like i always picture circles and then a bunch of lines between each circle okay and so there's a relationship with every aspect to every other aspect in the next layer and it has a significance between the two, mm-hmm. which are called weights. And the weights are changed um, as it trains itself. Okay. That, that that makes sense to me, how it how it tries to make better decisions. Weights. Sure. Okay. Yes. I, it's, <laughs> it's a little silly, but the idea is like, as you learn something, you find what the differences and similarities are and how important those similarities and differences are. Mm-hmm. You figure out and then you say okay i know how to recognize these things that's great okay yeah i you you did it yourself my next question was going to be like you do a great job explaining what the input is in the neural networks but like once you get into the math of it i really like this paper was a challenge for me only when we got into the math stuff during the introduction i was like Mm -hmm. totally there for it it's and it's no fault of yours it's only a fault of of me not not being in stem at all um, and so I at, like I ha- one of my questions is, could you describe the math involved in the silliest way possible? But I, I mean, like the circles and lines is pretty good. It's a pretty yeah, good um, a giant. Yeah, giant, weird, horrible diagram of circles and lines everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, and the, the math is just like. Um, it's it's really, really complex, but the, the synopsis is it tries to find like um you're going on a like a country road and you just like keep going up and down and you feel like very sick and you're like i don't know 
if I want to pull over because I'm so sick of going up and down. I don't know. Maybe this is just a thing that happens to me. But like when I go like up and down or around curves a bunch of times when I'm driving and it like keeps happening, I get like very nauseous. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the thing that I constantly think to myself is like, are there going to be more hills coming up? Am I going to, am I like at a point at which I'm not going down anymore or not going up and down anymore? Should I pull over or is it going to like stop? Is it going to flatten out? And then I can like not throw up and I can just keep driving. Um, and that's what the math does. The math says like, I don't know whether I'm in, I don't know whether I'm in a valley where it's like very well adapted or whether it's going to get better or worse if I keep changing the weight up or down some amount okay so like you can picture like a wiggly line and then you're like trying to find the right number to make it sit right um but you don't know whether you're in the best spot you know what and so it optimizes to find a, a local maximum or minimum like i think that you completely accepted my challenge and and did a great job with it so bravo to you of of describing it in the silliest way possible but that actually <laughs> that actually you. makes a lot of sense to me so good work mm-hmm. <laughs> With that, um, what were some of the problems that came up in your research? Uh, geez. Um, I mean, I feel like, yeah, the biggest struggle was like, there aren't that many sirens on freesounds.org. <laughs> and then, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk and it? Then, um, and then, uh, yeah, the the stealing, stealing the neural network and adapting it in the way and doing the acoustics stealing and it? audio work that steal oh i mean sorry stealing borrowing i didn't make the neural oh, network oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, i yeah. used um so it's kind of like there are a bunch of them that's you know significantly smarter people than me made and it just open source so they said like go ahead and use it if you want oh oh okay you can cool. train it i didn't know that there um, was like more than and so one. this was just <laughs> there are a ton of them um i just picked one that was open source and used hmm. it and retrained it for my purposes but um yeah but once once i stole that and you know gave it the data set it was kind of smooth sailing um and and i had to you know tweak the acoustic input and um kind of do some optimization but that was all on on me and that that ended up being not that not that difficult and the neural network did a really good job and so i was like well makes my life easy hell yeah um yeah uh, then then you go on to say after you talk about you know neural networks and making their decisions and stuff after deciding to retrain the image recognition cnn alexnet a data set was sought out alexnet only operates with input images of 227 by 227 pixels with built-in matlab functions that allow for cropping and resizing of images the spectrograms were easily modified to fit the alexnet input so were those the spectrograms that you were using in your PowerPoint? Um, so you showed like a siren sound versus a toilet sound. There were two images mm-hmm. side by side. Like, so it's yep. li- it's an image of a sound. That's what it is. Is that's what a spectrogram is? Yeah, that's so that's the big thing. Um, a bunch of people have tried to do this kind of like exact thing that I mm-hmm. tried to do, um, but they tried to give it an input of just raw audio. Um, and I said, we could probably make a really fast transform to a spectrogram and it would be better. It'd be more efficient because um, there are, are like a million image recognition neural so, networks. So a spectrogram is an image of a sound. 
Yeah. So a spectrogram, the way that I would explain a spectrogram um, to a layman would be... <laughs> to me. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to anyone. I mean, there are so few people that are experts in acoustics. So um, it would be like time is one axis of the graph. Oh. And then the other axis is frequency, which is just pitch. Um, you know, normal people call it pitch. And uh, the idea is that you can see kind of how the sound, how it sounds per second. Okay. And then as it changes. Um, and the, the thing that I would refer back to is if you remember like old school iTunes or like Windows Media Player uh-huh. or whatever, it would simulate like you saw all those bars bouncing yeah, up yeah. and down like as you played a song. And so what that was doing is just like breaking down like where there was like bass and mids and trebles and it was like showing you as they changed yeah. in the song. And in, and a spectrogram is the same thing. So it's that and then another axis of time. And so the loudness is the color and where it's plotted on the y-axis is frequency and then with time on the x-axis oh oh cool i i i thought that they were the spectrograms were pretty i was like that's that's like aesthetically they are spectrograms are so cool and there are wild wild like if you if you look at like bird calls and all this other stuff like nature does crazy oh that's awesome crazy stuff and you can see the geometries in frequency I could go off about spectrograms forever. <laughs> They're so cool. So you said, okay, the neural network will probably do a better job of recognizing differences and, and changes An with spectrograms rather than audio. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So then you took yeah. those. Yeah. Um, and um, the, you said, yeah, okay, the images had to be cropped. Sure, that makes sense. Um and I guess I'm making a jump here because my next question is, what is a maximum ep- epoch? Okay, so we're, we've kind of gotten to the point where we know what the input uh-huh. is and we kind of know what a neural network is and we know the goal. Um, and so we have to just like train okay. this thing, right? Um, and so the training happens where we have the giant data set that I've labeled and said like, these are for sure sirens. And then I found a bunch of other sounds as well that would be on the road. Um, so it's like wind, like people talking, um, a car honk, s- tires screeching. Yeah. There's like all these different noises that I gave it to say like, don't say that it's an it's a siren when it's something else that you hear. Okay. So it needs to say like, this is not a siren and it needs to know what is a yeah. siren. Um, and so the data set is all labeled and um and i say to it okay um the neural net is set in how many kind of like layers it is what aspects it's looking for the relationships between each other right and the thing that it's just changing is trying to say how significant are these aspects that we're looking for um and it teaches itself by changing the weights doing Uh that weird math thing that we talked about um to say how you know to like relate importance and um it knows what is a siren and what isn't a siren and so it trains itself over and over and over again and it goes through the data set um the entire data set like hundreds or thousands of times 
um, and an epoch is going through the entire data set once. Okay, okay. So. Um, and so I had, you know, like hundreds at some, at, at the beginning, probably hundreds, and then at some point thousands, maybe after I finished writing this paper, I kept doing some work on it after I submitted the mm-hmm. paper. Um, but it essentially, um, at some point you have to say like, I'm done letting you <laughs> try to optimize yourself. Cause there's, there's a point at which there's like diminishing returns. It like doesn't okay. actually get better than a certain point. Um, and so you set, you essentially say like, here's the data set and here's the thing. And then you just like press go mm-hmm. and you let it, you just let it do its thing. Um, but you have to tell it like when to stop. And so Max Epochs is just saying like, after a thousand iterations, just oh, okay, call it quits. Okay. It's good enough. Maximum of the epoch. Great. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> um, so when it first, like, what was there a point at which you were like, it works? Was there like a Dr. Frankenstein moment? <laughs> um, you know, I... It, it's it's like this weird anticlimactic thing because it finishes training and it's just like, I'm done. It doesn't say anything. You know, it's not like I'm good at recognizing these or anything. It just like finishes. And I didn't know how many hours it was going to take. I just like gave it a powerful computer and thought it was going to take a whole weekend. Um, it took, I gave it, I forget what number I gave it in, in the end, but it, it took like somewhere between four and eight wow. hours to run in its entirety. On, on like a very powerful lab computer, but um, it, it, yeah, you don't know like how good it is until you mm-hmm. test it. And so you have to do the training set and then you do the testing set. And so you set aside a certain amount of new data that it hasn't seen before that's also labeled. Um, and then it like assesses that. Um, and so the, like the first time that I, that I like tested it, um, I, like I didn't know what to expect and I kind of just like had let it sit an entire weekend and I was like, ah, I don't wonder if it's going to do anything and, you know, press go and let it test itself. And it only goes through it once. So it's really fast on the testing set. Um, and it came back 95% effective. Wow. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay. Um, which is really cool. Um, but 5% wrong is like very low, which is very cool. But, um, it needs to be very specific in the way that it gets it wrong. It's like, it would be better to say that something is a siren and pull over just in case instead of not recognizing one. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny that the the real life stakes of something um, come into play with this sort of math. Like what Mm -hmm. what amount percent is it wrong? Like what, what the percent is about is important in this instance. Yeah. Um, I talk about it in the paper as a, well, it's like a, it's like, what is it? Class A or class B error or something or type one or type two. Uh, I forget what it is. Statistics has some format for the way that you're supposed to say the way that a false negative or a false positive essentially. Hmm. And was, was the it 5% doesn't matter that much. the good 5%? Um, but oh, but I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's the whole thing. Sorry. I think you were a little delayed with the zoom. Um, so, so the percent that was, oh, so that was wrong. Well, not wrong. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> there's 95% with the extra 5%. Yeah. Um, was it, was it the bad kind? 
Um, so it was it was a mix, and so th- that's kind of where the fine tuning went in. Where mm. it's not that it necessarily became better at recognizing sirens. It didn't necessarily get significantly more um, accurate. It got a little bit more accurate, but um, it was having less false negatives. So what what would be it should be detecting a siren and it isn't. Um, that's what took a bunch of um, kind of tweaking on my end, hmm. which came with um, the actual acoustics part of <laughs> this whole project, yeah. which was supposed to be about acoustics, but it ended up being mostly computer science. Because it was like funded and stuff, did, did this information go to an important place to be like to help with the building of cars and stuff? So um, it is still being researched by my universe like by my i guess the graduate i graduated from the university um and so they're still doing research on that and someone's taking that work and still running with it um the i'm not sure if they're gonna try to sell it or something but um at this point they're like i i own some portion of it and if it if it gets like patented or sold or whatever, they would consult me. But the the, the university technically owns like a majority uh-huh. share of it because I did it through their research or whatever. Oh wow! I never thought of that because because you were part of that of that teaching and that learning. W- would you get like a cut? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'm sure it'd be some weird legal thing, huh. you know. But per- I might. I probably won't, but I might. Well, I. I, I'm glad that uh, you picked this paper because I find self-driving cars very interesting from an ethic perspective at, um, mm-hmm. and, and all that. Um, why is it your favorite paper? If it's not your favorite paper, why'd you pick it? Oh, I mean, I just think it was it was like wildly fun to it do was? this. Um, I think, yeah, I just like, it was so out of my comfort huh. zone. Um, why was it out of your comfort zone? And I feel zone? like, um, it was just a, like a lot, a lot of coding and computer mm. stuff that I I didn't. It's not that I like didn't do coding and computer stuff, but um, I, in a lot of in a lot of ways, I was kind of picturing more of a physical acoustics project when I started at you know when I started off, and it ended up being a lot of like signal processing mm. and uh, computer learning stuff. But I thought it was just super fun because I this was like one of the only times in college where, um, and Amanda referenced this in, um, in the episode that you guys were talking when you guys were talking on that episode (laughs) about how like STEM, you don't get to just, you like choose whatever you want. Like it's, it's very prescriptive in a lot Uh of ways. Um, and so this was the first time that, you know, an advisor said to me like, I don't know, figure it out, do whatever you want. You have to solve a problem. Mm -hmm just do something like, like <laughs> make it oh, work no. now i have to like make choices and stuff yeah so yeah i mean it's it's the part of engineering that i think is fun and you, you don't get a lot of that in like college you don't like when you're learning engineering but you know since since then like the work that i did on this project is the stuff that i do not that necessarily the same subject but the same kind of the same kind of work where it's this open-ended like go make a thing you know mm-hmm. make it work um and that that's that was the most fun so um it was it was really cool to learn something that was like high tech and um kind of like mind-boggling um 
yeah, and I just I don't know. I felt I felt proud about it at the end of the day. It was like just a big question mark until it was a paper. Yeah. Um, which was cool. I guess it's sort of like a like a puzzle and um and in the like I'm I'm excited I get to go solve something today way and um it must have been nice to be working on something that was not theoretical and that was important like pulling over for emergency vehicles is very important yeah no i I, it felt it felt real um and yeah i mean years and years of being a lifeguard and knowing how important it is to like get to the scene fast and respond quickly true to save people's lives like you know it, it hits home like yeah, I didn't getting, even think getting about people, the fact that you were getting people their care fast too, is yeah. really important. For years and years, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I, I um, knew. I just, yeah, just in, in relation to this paper, I wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah self-driving yeah. cars and uh, emergency vehicles. The obvious connection is Ethan being having been a lifeguard <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, but but yeah, that. So I think I think that's a long answer for saying like why I like the paper. It's I don't think it's conventional in the same way that like you write a paper in in a class that you weren't expecting to be good and you were like wow this is you know amazing but it's just a different kind of perspective especially from like a stem researchy mm-hmm. field and like the writing of it itself like I, I bet when you're doing search project you're like okay i did i did it and then it's like you have to write a damn paper about it was that a pain or do you, <laughs> did you enjoy yeah. the writing of it yeah I, I don't mind writing um I, f- I feel like more many engineers hate <laughs> writing or communicating and like can't spell and I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind the writing aspect. Um, it definitely was like, I did the whole thing and then I was like, Oh, sick. <laughs> like this works. I'm done. And then I was like, Oh no, I oh, definitely no, I'm need definitely to not done. write all of this <laughs> down. I definitely didn't write anything down. <laughs> so I need to go back and understand what I did. Um, yeah, but the the part that I, I, I like didn't know all the history mm. of neural nets and like all the kind of background information and, and the explaining the math and kind of all that stuff I had to do kind of after the fact. Um, I was like poking in the dark a little bit and then I like started to figure it out and then kind of went back and looked at the history and stuff. That is cool. I like that. Um, I think we covered the stuff in your paper unless there's something else you want to say about your paper and if not uh do you have anything you want to plug anything that you're enjoying consuming right now during this awful time in american history um Ooh, there's so much good media to, con- to i know consume there right really now. is um i guess the the first thing that i want to say is um just like a thanks to um like th- I did one portion of the paper and then there was a second portion of the paper that was about um, doing sound detection. So is the ambulance approaching mm. or leaving, um, which was a different aspect of the project. And I wrote almost entirely this part and then they wrote almost entirely the other two parts. So I just want to shout out uh, Tony and Digno um, for doing the other part of this project. And, and uh, yeah, they, they were awesome to work with and, and it, it's cool to, to be able to kind of like culminate on nice. projects. Um, so shout out to them and, and our advisor, Dr. King. Um, just like, you know, thank you for that experience. Yeah. It was cool. Um, and then media, media stuff. Um, Does the fifth down have anything or anything music coming out our way? 
<laughs> we yeah we we recorded a song probably four years ago at this what? point um in princeton and uh we have like pretty much an entire ep that we have recorded and we were gonna release it in like okay May or i June. think that was the one that i i listened um, to and i made a video of one of the songs yes yes yeah yeah well we're, we're definitely putting out that song um soon it's happening in like two or three weeks we're gonna put out a song but it feels weird because we recorded like we wrote this and recorded this like way 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 back and we're just now getting around to releasing uh, it what are, what are the names and everything um, so people can look them up because I, I actually think this might be released yeah um a little bit later than two or three weeks so okay so yeah um it'll probably be live by then check us out um, the fifth down we're on Spotify and Apple music and I don't know everywhere you can listen to I'm music, so I guess. <laughs> and, uh, the song's called boogeyman. Um, and then we have an EP coming out. We haven't released any of this information yet, but maybe we will have by the time this episode airs. So it's fine. Whatever. Uh, we're calling it the kitchen sink EP. The kitchen sink EP. Um, cause it's everything that we recorded in this Princeton session that we like wanted to put out, but we just never did. And then we're just going to kind of like everything else that we have like weird demos live recordings um we have a, a bad christmas oh my God. song i'm so excited about I that i don't know like we're just throwing everything we got at it um and the first half is going to be like new music that sounds good and the second half is going to be like fun for like probably just you, you know? <laughs> just me the fan of the fifth down one of the biggest fans of the fifth down <laughs> yeah yeah um so so yeah plug plug ourselves um and then media i've been yeah. consuming i've been listening to um reply oh, all Do my you know podcast? reply all is my sun and my moon and my stars i love reply all i what's your favorite episode um, if anyone has not listened um easily the one where they're trying to find the hit from the oh, 90s yes i think it's called the missing hit actually and yeah 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 and and they get christian lee hudson also shout out great great songwriter band whatever um to like record the song as the yeah. guy remembers it and then and then they try to find it i that like fewer more exciting one hour I, podcast i remember i was at the gym like, so while, much while i was listening to it and i was like like i think i had to sit down and stop doing what i was doing and just listen to the podcast like I got, I was oh, so enthralled by it, so, so drawn in by it. Yeah, Reply All is everything I want to be in a podcast. Um, and uh, mm -hmm, what, what's mm -hmm. my other? Uh, the Snapchat Thief. Have you listened to that one? Snapchat it's thief. that's I'm that's a sure. Reply All episode, and it's about um, people who buy and sell usernames on Snapchat and like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. And it's about this mm -hmm. whole underground network of people who buy and sell usernames and it's like i it's so cool yeah reply all is is awesome wow i can't believe i'm like gassing up another podcast and they're not even paying me what the hell <laughs> <laughs> nah that's all right i mean it's so good that it yeah. deserves it well that's great well thank you for chatting with me ethan not, not only is it great to uh yes. hear about your paper but it's also just great to hear how you're doing yeah man um it's been it's it's excellent to catch up and talk about my nerd <laughs> nonsense. I'll talk about it whenever you want. That's great. It's been awesome. That's great. 
This podcast is produced by Hickory Playground, founded by Dylan Tashjian, Robert Fuller, and Jordan Maycant. Jordan is also our audio editor. Compositions are by Lucky Sarudi. Logos designed by Morgan Honeycutt. My assistant in research is John Morgan Stern, and our digital marketing specialist is Simone Elhart. Thank you so much for listening.